Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shay's Geek Nation. Welcome. Welcome to another edition of BJ Shay's Geek Nation. I'm Vicky Barcelona, and I again don't know how we manage this one. We got BJ Shay with us. That's because I never left. Oh, you've been just kind of wandering the halls. Yep, I keep, and then I see you two in here and go, "Oh, it's time for me to talk to the microphones." <laughs> Well, when he says uh, you two, he's also referring to Joey D's. I'm surprised you didn't see him sleeping on the couch out there, Vicky. Oh, he's always sleeping. Like, I just assumed he was going to go home after or someone was going to take Peepaw away. I don't know. I sleepwalk, too. It's very nice. Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, Joe, maybe you should tell us what we're doing today. All right. Well, today on our episode, we will talk The Last of Us, Episode 2. A little spoiler for Episode 3 for people who have already seen it as well. Gareth will talk to us about some Far Cry 6 rumors as well as another game Ooh. they might be releasing. BJ and I will discuss the His Dark Materials series finale that we uh, alluded to last episode. Oh, yes. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can the people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. .com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. 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 Or, you know, just search BJ Shades Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Odyssey, 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 Odyssey. To find us. I love apps. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, me too. I love apps almost as much as I love The Last of Us. <laughs> that oh, good? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that my show. goodness. That show is like everybody's loving that show. Everybody's loving that show. Well, it turns out when you dump $10 million into an episode, you're going to get some good TV. And that's not always true, Lord of the Rings. <clears throat> Thanks, Lord of the Rings. Well, sometimes you got to get good writers and also an IP where they let you do everything you want to do mm. and uh, don't restrict you. Unfortunately, that's... Uh, that, 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 that rings of power is like, well, you can use some of the rings and you can use some of the things. And, and some of the power. And we'll still put skillions of dollars into it anyway, even though the story's gutted. Simply you follow the source material, you'll make the fine wine. And you're not wrong. Everyone's loving it. 97% on the tomato meter, 95% audience score. And here's the thing with The Last of Us is that there's not, I mean, the source material is a video game mm -hmm. and... They may have some cinematic sequences and some story, but to do an entire TV show, you pretty much have to have a lot of original material. That's very true. And, I mean, well, let's be honest. The actors in this show are incredible. They are carrying a lot of the weight because this is a zombie show. When it comes down to it, it's a post-apocalyptic. The world's screwed, yeah. and there are zombies running around. And we've seen one zombie, or at least one zombie type. And now, in this last episode, episode two, we saw... A second zombie type. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and it makes you wonder, and really mushroomy type. It's really the sure. fungal. It's the fungoids attacking. Uh, sad, though, that we lost Anna Torv, who I loved in, uh, in Fringe. And so I thought, okay, Tess is going to be around for a while, unless they're going to do something with her. Almost a kit like a Kerrigan thing from Starcraft, where you know she, oh, got she possessed. comes back. She comes back like possessed by the Zerg for all you old uh, PC gamers, um, and maybe you know will Tess become a, you know a fungoid creature that somehow has some because they all seem like zombies, but will there be a special super fungoid that has intelligence? No, she just gets the uh, accolade or the award of first person to make out with a zombie. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and also if she survives, Joe, because she blew up the whole place, that she's you know. You see that storyline, it's been everywhere, uh, where it's like, I'll hold the trigger and set off all the bombs and fires so you can escape, you two. If she survived that, well, you know what? I'm all for it, because I like her she as an actor. She did die off screen, but I think she is dead. 
Did the did they talk to anybody in the MCU? Because if they did, then you can come back from the dead. Are the Infinity Stones around? Can yeah. they travel back in time? Yeah. So, uh, and here's the thing. I mean, episode two, I really liked it. I love the, the the cinematography, the digital work they do, creating Boston as a basically just an overgrown plant, overgrown place with buildings collapsing and. Uh, it, it they really, really make that look good, all those scenes. Yeah, and if you're a fan of the video games, you'll notice a lot of scene-for-scene, shot-for-shot, straight tra- transition to TV, which is just great, because that's what you want. And uh, Nick Offerman, is uh, his character debuted in the latest episode, which uh, we won't say a whole lot about for two reasons. Number one, we don't like to spoil things. Number two, we haven't seen it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got to give him a week, too. I don't want to piss anyone off. But people have been posting about how great of an episode that it was and how great of a job Nick Offerman has done with the character. So I, uh, and I guess, I guess it's new. Like I, his character wasn't actually in the video game from what I understand. Uh, I love Nick Offerman. Uh, and uh, gosh, he just did a series and I can't, it was on Hulu. It was fantastic. It was one season and I'm blanking, unfortunately. Uh, but it uh, uh, devs, it was called devs. There you go. And you know, you know, Nick from uh, Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. But really, he plays a great character just in Devs where he's just this really just troubled, socially awkward mogul. And I, when I saw that, I thought, okay, I, Nick, you've got me sold. I will watch anything you do. Uh, just like, you know, how Brian Cranston was so convincing as Heisenberg after we all knew him from Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, same deal, where he went from comedy to an, a, a great drama. Nick has shown me in Devs. And if you haven't seen Devs, it's a great show. It's on Hulu. Allison Pill is also in it. If you haven't seen it, it's well worth a binge if you're looking for a show. Um, and I'm so excited to see episode three of The Last of Us. Definitely. Uh, episode two introduced the clickers, which I did mention earlier. And yes. those are the second type of zombie that, well, zombie fungal infected walking creature yeah they get no they get no eyes they just like these big fungal mm. things they're like, big ears yeah You've probably seen all the memes with them oh yeah on facebook they're scary mm. they are essentially blind and they see through hearing and that of course creates some very dramatic and tense scenes as our three main characters are walking through a history museum trying to not alert these very uh, adept uh, creatures. Yes. And it just it, the scene, again, this is the thing about the show, I always say, it's nothing new. Like, you're not going to watch this and go, my God, no one's ever done this before. But what you will do is you watch it and think the acting, every, the transitions, the cinematography, as you mentioned earlier, they're perfect. The art, the makeup on these things, yeah, incredible. And it's just, okay. I can appreciate it. Every time I'm watching, I'm like, you know what? I want to see what happens to these characters despite, you know, every zombie show usually ends the same way. People go and die. Yeah. And we lost the main character, as you said earlier as well. Yeah. But, like, that part, like, I just can't wait to invest more into these characters and then really feel that gut-wrenching stuff. That was my only complaint is I felt like we weren't – we didn't have enough time before we had a main character death almost. Well, we did. Of course, in the first episode, we lost the daughter. The daughter, yeah, yep, Pedro's, yep. you know, Pedro Pascal's character, Joel's daughter, uh, and you're right. I mean, you know, Tess, man, I was kind of, I really liked her, and you know, I mean, and then she twists an ankle, and you go, all right, well, she twisted an ankle, she'll be okay. Oh no, she got bit. She, she got tried bited. to take a, take a uh, clicker on one v one, yeah, and, that, and they do kind of tell you in this: the main zombies, the level one zombies, you can beat. The level two zombies, yeah, on tough. the other hand, they're very tough. They, I mean, as they show a dead guy in the corner whose face is all torn up and you just mm. see Joel look immediately and go, oh, no. 
you know, like, quiet, we're not talking for the rest of this trip because if yeah. they hear us, you know, and, oh, Ellie's just great. Ellie's just trying to be a little kid in a yeah. post-apocalyptic, you know, terrible place, and she's just like, I want to play the piano, and I want to yeah. I want to go to the hotel desk. Yeah, she and, and what does she do? Well, of course, she just knocks things around, and all of a sudden, the shroombies, I think we should call them the shroombies. Shroombies. The shroombies. Like the shroombies come out, the clicking shroombies. And uh, it's not a tap dance routine. You know, mm-hmm. you hear a lot of clicking, but not not for entertainment. Uh, Joe, yeah, I, I was thinking about just the, the 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 set they had to build with all the water they had to go through. Yeah, you know, ten million dollars for episodes because we're seeing that with a lot of things: Rings of Power, Star Trek Discovery, The Mandalorian. These companies are putting in so much money that it's hard to watch regular TV that does not have a budget like this. It's almost unfair. It's like fighting with you know one hand behind your back. How do you do a you know a show where I mean really you're like watching a movie on some of these these, these HBOs and and Disney Pluses? It's wow. Yeah, I wouldn't want to have to be in that position. But we are uh, excited for episode three. We will give you that recap, recap uh, uh, soon. But until then, we'll have to just uh, gear up and strap in because this is going to be a ride. Yeah, it's going to be a ride. Uh, you know, and I want to quickly say this. Maybe we'll uh, put this down the road because I forgot to put it in my thing. Uh, another great uh, – Korea's been putting out some great sci-fi. And so there's a, a show on Netflix, a movie called Jung E. Uh, and it's another great uh, Korean sci-fi. I, I, I think Korea's just saying, you know what, man? We're going to put out amazing science fiction products. So uh, if you're looking for a good sci-fi, it's a, you know they've got English subtitles as well as English dub, but an, a very cool story, mother-daughter story, and I won't tell you what's going on, but believe me, really crazy action. Uh, and uh, it's called Jung underscore E. And I'm wondering if it's like they're now putting out more sci-fi, or are we now more open to the idea of you know, sci-fi and really cool stuff from other countries, even if they have to be dubbed. Like, because Netflix is, you know, really, you know, raised the bar when it came to Squid Games, even though that is not something I want to see. I can appreciate what it is. And there's another one. It's like, uh, uh, that's similar to Squid Games. Oh, Alice in Borderland. Alice in Borderland, which I'm going to, I've got on my list to watch too. And that's also Mm -hmm. another foreign product where it's dubbed. But we've all said, you know what? See, ever since I started losing my hearing, I had to put subtitles on. And, but I will tell you this, it's really important. With some of these foreign movies, mm-hmm. the subtitles do not match the dub. And I think you lose something if you don't listen to the dub. I, it's so unfortunate. I don't know why they can't use the subtitles so that we can actually, they can let us hear exactly what they're saying, like what it was meant to be said. The subtitles are not the same. Huh. As the dubbing, and so uh, with some movies, not so much with Jung E, but with Alice in Borderland, I noticed that I was like, "Wow, these characters are not saying the dubbed characters are not saying what's in the subtitle," and I'm you would miss so much if you just did subtitle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I usually like to do that though. I like to hear the original actors in their voice, and so, but but uh, but you don't get the same stuff with the subtitles in some mm. of the movies. So you gotta you gotta you gotta figure it out. But good stuff anyway on Netflix. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Moving along from that, we do have Gareth Vaughn Kallenbach from Scoot and Review. That is SKNR.net. He's here to tell us some Far Cry 6 rumors and game news. With us today is Gareth Vaughn Kallenbach from Scoot and Review. That is SKNR.net. Gareth, I hear you have some Far Cry 6 stuff for us to talk about. I love the game. I love the franchise. What is coming up in the future? Well, this is uh, the Beyond Far Cry 6 stage, which is really cool because... As you know, they put out a new DLC for Far Cry 6 recently. Yes. Naturally, the industry is going to say, what's next? And, you know, there were the reports we talked about about unannounced games being canceled at Ubisoft, delays for some others. 
Well, now we're getting reports that the next Far Cry game is in development, and uh, this is where it gets really interesting. Apparently, it is now split into two separate games, which we will likely see in 2025. Now, the question is, is one releasing in 2025 roughly at the same time? Probably not. Uh, Will they both release in 2025? Well, delays happen. But the description of them is really, really interesting. Um, So the first one, the story campaign, is said to take place in the Alaskan wilderness. And as you know, we've had some unusual locations. We've had a tropical island. We've had Africa. We've had uh, Montana. We've even had the uh, caveman era. Uh, you know, all these kind of things to look forward to. We've also had uh, Nepal or a Nepal-like country. And then we also had a, you know, is it Cuba? Isn't it Cuba? Well, a uh, South American country that they based the last game on. So I'm kind of getting the vibe. And, you know, also I know with Far Cry 5, you have to remember there were two parts to it. They had kind of a... Uh, a sequel to it later, which didn't get a numerical one because it was a continuation of five, but it wasn't DLC. And so I like the idea, you know, cold weather and wild animals, definitely things that Far Cry is known for. And then, of course, there'll be lots of action and villains. But that's just the first one. So that's the normal stuff because we normally get, like you said, single player, villains, first person shooters. So what is the second one giving us then? So the second one apparently is the multiplayer portion, which has spawned into this whole beast of its own. Now, it's important to remember, not all of the Far Cry games had multiplayer. Far Cry 5 had multiplayer, but it was more of a single or co-op challenge mode where essentially you or you and another player would go through various challenges, take on AI. They even had kind of like an arcade mode, but you weren't going directly up against you know, players like a Call of Duty situation. We are hearing the plan is to change all that and to make the next one much more like a Call of Duty, straight up, multiplayer action, deathmatch shooter. But I've heard it may even have some Warzone aspects to it. So essentially, it's going to be multiplayer only, but it's not going to be just your deathmatch and your team deathmatch, that there may be, you know, squad-based objectives, there may be survival modes, all kinds of things. And, of course, it will be upgradable as it goes on based on feedback and uh, the whims of the creators. So interesting stuff. Yeah, that's huge news. I mean, obviously, a multiplayer Far Cry would be awesome. And to think that they're going to try to, like, you know, essentially carve out a slice of the pie of the Call of Duty uh, player base because they have such a huge player base with Warzone and their multiplayer stuff. Do you think it will be successful? I think it will, and here's where the key is going to be. A, obviously, it's got to be stable. It's got to be engaging. That's, that's the big thing. Far Cry's got a name. It's going to draw people. The multiplayer portion is going to be the trick because you're going to have people that say, this should have been included with the core game. It's a cash grab. And then you're going to have that whole aspect of how much do microtransactions and DLC pay into it. For example, as we've talked about with Call of Duty, they're mostly cosmetic. What happens if, oh, you want really good body armor? That's going to cost you. You want a really nice weapon that's going to help you turn the tide? That's going to cost you. That's going to be the battle because I think the temptation is going to be 
depending on the news with financial things, and remember, we're talking, in theory, we've heard if the rumors are true, 2025 is the target date for this. Lots of things could happen, but let's just say you're trying to make up for financial shortcomings uh, in the gap between now and then. It will be tempting to try to monetize this thing beyond belief to make it a cash cow. The problem with that is that can turn people away. So you have to be very delicate with this is what we've got. This is what we're going to offer. We are not going to charge for this. We will charge for this, but it is not going to be a game changer or a, you know, proverbial pay to win situation. Yeah, you can't have pay to win in those multiplayer games. You can get really, uh, you know, make your uh, player base very angry quickly with that because you know you start charging over that you know sixty dollars price limit, and all of a sudden, well, you know, people tend to voice their opinion pretty loudly online. Uh, we'll have to wait and see until Far Cry does release in twenty twenty five. Hopefully, all good news and no delays. But moving on from that, E three, boy, does it always feel like there's more drama at E three? Gareth, what's going on? Okay, so uh, unconfirmed, but many, 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 many outlets are reporting it to the point where I'd say there's a lot of smoke where there's fire for this. So E3 is coming back, has not done a live show since 2019, has only done one very scaled-down online show uh, since then. And even before 2019, we didn't have Activision. Well, in 2019, we did not have Activision with the main booth on the floor. EA had already gone off and done their own thing, and Sony had opted not to take part in it. Well, now we're hearing with the return of E3, which is being produced by Pop, the same people who do PAX, Emerald City Comic Con, C2E2, and so on, that uh, the big three are stepping out. That means Nintendo, that means Sony, and that means uh, Microsoft. And Microsoft is a potentially huge loss for them. Because this could mean Bethesda, and if the merger gets approved, that could mean Activision and Blizzard all sitting out. Oh my gosh, that's everyone. I mean, who else is going to be there then? Well, exactly, and the thing, and that's where you look at. You can say, well, you know, Capcom's probably going to be there. You could have Square Enix. You could have um, Ubisoft, obviously. You could have Warner Brother Interactive. But then the trick is going to be. Are you going to see a flood of indies? And that's where it gets tricky because the conventions can only go with who wants to take part in them. We've seen PAX East and PAX West have problems getting the big developers to come back. If you remember, PAX South went the way of the dinosaurs because, as they said, we could not grow and attract the people we wanted. It was all pretty much unknown indies and it was very hard to generate some buzz on that and you know now there's another factor that you have to look at and say what exactly is going on here now the easy solution would be to say in the pandemic these companies learned why do we have to go through the trouble and cost of transporting out to la building a booth paying for props swag setting up something, putting up our people in a hotel, and having to have things to show at a specific time and also having to fight with all these other companies for attention. Many of them realized, you know what, we can just do a showcase on our own terms, live stream it, we're going to draw millions. That's been very firmly established that these live streams will draw people. We control the cost, we control the content. So then you have that. 
And that's kind of what these conventions are fighting. You need to be back in front of the people. You need to be networking. Look at some of these games didn't go as well. There's no substitute for hands-on seeing it, being able to talk with people and generating that excitement. You know, kind of like how Comic-Con is very instrumental in generating hype for movies and TV shows. Very so interesting. Here's the, yeah. So here is the curveball to all of this that really makes you scratch your chin and go, huh, Summer Games Fest. Uh, very active. Jeff Keeley, uh, right before E3 was originally canceled at the start of the pandemic, announced that he was walking away from doing stuff with E3, didn't like the direction they were going, started his own thing. And that was Summer Game Fest. They did a whole series of stuff, trailers, reveals over the summers in the pandemic. He's also been doing the Gamescom opening night and is involved with the Video Game Awards. As we all know, there have been a lot of reveals and a lot of big things coming at this. He's announced that not only is Summer Game Fest going to happen, it is happening one week before E3. And this year, they're going to try, well, not going to try, they're going to do at, le at least one day of it live where they're saying people will be present and there will be hands-on. So now the question is, are these people running away from all live shows to do their own thing, or are they just standing away from E3 to take part in some way in Summer Games Fest? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, the timing is clearly not coincidental. I mean, a week before is a pretty big target on the back of E3. Exactly. And I, as I told someone, I said, you can absolutely bet the phones, the emails, favors, call it what you want, are all being called between the various organizations negotiating. Do we go to this one? Do we go to that one? Do we go to both? Do we not do none at all? And it's very interesting, the reports. They're not saying per se, you know, when you when you kind of read through the corporate doublespeak, we can pretty much say they are not physically going to be present at E3. But there's this nebulous thing, because if you remember, the day before they open the floor, there's the showcases. Yes. So people are saying, all right, I guess they're not having booth space on the floor, but are they going to do a showcase slash live stream in the days leading up to E3? Will it be part of E3? Will it be on its own? Or are they going to just say, we're doing Summer Games Fest and do a trailer with them? Will they do it independently? Or are they going to say, hey, you know what? We're all in here. We're going to do a trailer or reveals, whatever, at Summer Game Fest, and we may have a presence on the floor that day, too. Oh, man, that is some wild stuff. I don't even know where you'd begin. I would assume you'd want as much, uh, you know, viewership, you know, as many eyes on your product as you can get, you know, for both uh, Summer Game Fest and E3. But if there's drama behind the scenes and the companies won't, you know, work with each other, or as you said, people are calling in favors, I mean, it's all up in the air at this point, Gareth. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and here's the thing. You sit there, and it's like any booking agent. You have to look at it that way. There is always negotiation. There is relationships that are built on. You have to see the value in it. And then you also have to look at the long-term potential. And you can see some people might be saying, well, hey, you know, there's this, 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 or there's this. And are we going to come out? And I'm sure there will be some that say, hey, you know what? We're going to come out and do our thing here. And then we're just going to hang out in L.A. for the week. And then we're going to move over to the convention center and do this. There are some that are going to say, not going to bother with any of that. We're just going to do a trailer. And there are some that are going to do some kind of in-between. And, you know, remember this. It is an extremely competitive industry. Like I uh, tell people, 
all it takes is one of these companies to come out and say, you know what, we've had to change your heart. We're actually going to come in and do that. And then maybe all the others say, hey, you know what, maybe we don't want to look out. Now, you could play the argument if you're Sony, you could say, we haven't gone to live shows in the last several years. It has not hurt our sales in any way, shape, or form. And uh, do we really need to do this? But then all it takes is one heavily anticipated title not to hit the numbers that you want. And all of a sudden, maybe we need to be in front of a live uh, audience again. Who knows? Ah, only time will tell. That's always tough. I would not want to have to be a marketing department on that one. But uh, before we get out of here, Gareth, uh, we are talking games, and I hear you have some Jedi gaming news for us? Yes. So we got the news uh, the other day that EA has announced that the uh, very anticipated uh, Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, is done and it has gone gold, which is the industry standard for back in the day when people actually got disc versions of them on their computer. Now you get them on your console, it's ready to go to manufacturing. Yes. So big celebration, big cause. And then in the very next sentence, they say, however, we're going to spend the next few weeks working on uh, stabilization and bugs, oh. and so therefore we're, we're pushing it back six weeks. Well, we almost had so it there. Yeah, so now it's coming out in April. Well, well, you know, a little bit longer. I think we can wait. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I, I was thinking about this. At first I go, this has become standard now. You put the game out and there's either a huge day one patch, there's either one that follows in the next couple of days. So essentially they're trying to squish all of this ahead of time. But then I got to thinking about it and I said, this is actually not a bad move on their part. Star Wars Celebration Europe's coming up. This gives them that extra wiggle time to make a big splash and make some kind of reveal there if they choose to, like uh, a new tra- a launch trailer, a new trailer, have maybe uh, some of the stars of the game come out, something like that, instead of basically putting the game out and then having that follow soon after, now you can basically have them work together in a more coordinated launch and rollout. That sounds perfect to me. Oh, man, I can't wait. You know, I don't know what it is about Star Wars, but every time we talk about it, I get excited. Six weeks, little bump, but you know what? April, we're two months away. We'll be able to make it, and as you said, they might be able to uh, promote it a little better in Europe. Who doesn't love a good Star Wars day and to see some stars behind it? Gareth, thank you so much for joining us. Always great to talk to you about the upcoming news we have in the gaming world. Anytime. Take care now. Thank you so much again, Gareth. Always great to hear about the upcoming video games. Very interesting that uh, Far Cry is going away from just their single player to a multiplayer game. Ooh. We'll see how that works out. I mean, that franchise is is great already. And, yeah. you know, with Call of Duty and all Fortnite and all those games, I mean, everyone wants to be a multiplayer game these days. Yeah, you kind of, isn't that what you have to do? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. every, every, everybody wants to, you know, be screamed at by a 13-year-old on your headphones. I, I mean, love I, when that happens. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to just play a game where that doesn't happen. Uh, well, we do have a more uh, show to get to before we get to the geek sheet. Uh, BJ, I know you had finished it earlier. I just finished it last week. His Dark Materials wrapped up its series finale. Yes, and boy, it's. I mean, look. Uh, if, if, I feel like they hired the writers from the CW to do the last episode of His Dark Materials. Uh, <laughs> yes, the long goodbyes. I like to yeah, call the it. Yeah, the penultimate episode was really good because that's where all the action happened, and it was at the end of that episode, the second to last episode. It's like, wow, they did, they won. And I'm like, but wait, there's a whole other episode. What's so? I, you know, sometimes you think, oh my gosh, uh, something's going to rise, or they didn't actually kill, or whatever. And you know, so, but no, it was just like, 
it seemed like the whole episode was just a bunch of crying of people who and and frankly, like they really bait and switched us to the point where, oh, by the way, you guys can't be together now. And it's like you're telling us in the last episode that that it just felt like, oh, man, I mean, I, I thought that's if you if we could have seen it coming down the road, maybe we could have seen it coming down the road. It's just so frustrating to me. I feel like those poor kids did so much. Let them hang out together and have a life. Yeah, I'm sure that is how the books ended. But to your point, this show went through an entire love relationship in 30 minutes at the end of that last episode, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Yeah, they never got to really, you kind of thought there was something there. You kind of thought it was supposed to happen. But then eventually it pays off and these two kids get together and you go, oh, wouldn't it be great that they're, you know, nope. (laughs) <laughs> no, and yeah, it probably wouldn't have hurt so bad if the ending story wasn't Eve has to fall in love to save the worlds, but yeah. then immediately break up in order to save the worlds. <laughs> and in the books, maybe there's a religious message there that that you have time to really process. Maybe we were supposed to really see that they were in love for a long time. But I, I'll be honest with you, and I don't know if it was the writing, the acting. Yeah, they didn't have a chance to have a lot of chemistry love-wise. You saw something there, but there was just too much going on to feel really like, oh my gosh, now you're doing this to them? It felt cruel, because to me, it felt like they never had a chance to be in love. Yeah, I agree. I do give them a little bit of a leeway, only because I know that I think they wanted to have more seasons, like they were hoping for four or five, and they ended up with a, hey, you're getting one last third season, wrap it up. Oh, you may be right about that. And, you know, I'll give them credit. You know, for a final season, they did tie all the knots, but they just weren't done very well. Well, that makes a lot of sense because, again, is another show. This it didn't hurt this show so much where the pacing was very different than the first two seasons. Most definitely because the yeah. first two seasons you felt like you were getting a lot of uh, character development, slow story, big worlds. And in the third one they're like, big world, bigger world, end the story, fight the angels, fight God essentially, and fall in love in the Garden of Eden and then break up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even to the point where I think there was one character who I thought – her role in this was was definitely truncated. Mary? Mary. Yeah, Mary was useless. Mary the great has the greatest one-liner. Was it really that easy? Yeah. Yes, because we ran out of time to write yeah. your character into the last season. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> you probably were a lot cooler in the books, but you're not cool here. Yeah. Yeah. And again, nothing against anybody. I mean, that's at least we got a season because I think companies are realizing you've got to resolve a storyline. We get it. We get that you go, we hope this show does well. And you build it like it's a big show, and then you go, oh, my God, it's not getting any ratings. And you're like, well, where's my resolution? So they go, here it is. Yeah, better to get a mediocre resolution than no resolution. Look at Game of Thrones. You get bad resolution, and you just kill your IP. So I understand what they were doing. Well, you know what? We thank the Targaryens for bringing the IP back. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Finally, House of Dragons is something that we can be happy about. (laughs) But moving along from that, we do have to get to... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, it's Movie Friday. Movie Friday. Oh, right. Movies come out on Friday. And for those like myself that hasn't haven't really been wanting to go to the movie theaters in general, also because all my movie buddies are you know doing adult things like having babies. So oh, you know, the nerve! Congratulations to Pat and uh, his lady on their new baby that came out this week. That being said, I will finally get to see this movie, and it is Black Panther. Wakanda Forever? Wakanda oh, you, Forever. You I haven't never, seen I this? didn't get a chance to I see it. I haven't either. And then oh, I, I heard about a month ago, wow. like at the beginning of the month, that it was going to come out at, at like the beginning of wow. February. So I figured, well, 
Why am I going to spend money when I could just wait? I can wait. All right. Well, I look forward to what you folks have to say about mm-hmm. it. Uh, you, you heard my review from not when, when it came out, and I saw it. Where'd you land on it? Um, I liked parts of it, and I was very disappointed because I really thought Letitia Wright was the hero that I wanted. And either A, they wrote her wrong, or B, she's really not the hero that I wanted. Uh, and it should have should have been Lupita Nyong'o, uh, her character. And I didn't realize that until, for some reason, they didn't have her in the movie until probably it felt like it was halfway during the movie. Then she finally shows up and does something. Uh, which and then when she does something, it made me go, "Oh yeah, I forgot how awesome she is." Oh no, please make her the blue Black mm-hmm. Panther. Uh, not that he's spoiling anything or no, anything. No, no, no. I'm nothing. sorry, but I mean it has been out. No, for a I know, but I was going to say that it has been out since this past Wednesday, February first. So you, oh. we all have a chance to watch it. That is my goal for well, this it's weekend. Out for, it's out for free, you know, Disney yes. Plus, right? Yeah, yes. yeah finally yeah. free. Uh, yeah. But there are other movies that are either came out this last week or coming out you know, this weekend. And a lot of them are movies I definitely will not be watching. Oh, really? Because they're scary. Oh, that's <laughs> why. All right. This one, it's one of those movies that critics are loving, audiences not so much. It is called Infinity Pool, and it looks yucky. It is a Cronenberg movie, so if oh, you okay. you know Cronenberg from his movies or from that episode of Rick and Morty, yeah, you know what it's going to look like. Yep. Uh, it is getting 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 51% audience score. It is called Infinity Pool. Oh, that's tough when the audience doesn't agree with the critics. No, but it does have two big sc- uh, stars like Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth, which she is basically in every other horror movie ever, I feel like. She's got so. a great name for it. Mia Goth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but basically, while staying in an isolated island resort, James and M, which is played by Cleopatra Coleman, are enjoying a perfect vacation of a pristine beach. Exceptional staff and soaking up the sun, but guided by the seductive and mysterious Gabby, played by Mia Goth, they venture outside the resort grounds and find themselves in a culture filled with violence, hedonism. Oh, nice. Say that five times hedonism. fast. Hedonism. An untold horror, a tragic accident, leaves them facing a zero-tolerance policy for crime. Either you'll be executed, or if you're rich enough to afford it, you can watch yourself die instead. Wait. Exactly. What? Okay, that's interesting. It's supposed to be a horror, weird, Cronenberg situation, but like I said, audience not really liking it. I think that was the case with the last Cronenberg movie that came out as well. Maybe stay away from that genre. Yeah, not my jam. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I think he's I, not watching it. Yeah. Cronenberg. Mm, Another horror movie called Blood. This one's getting 63% on the tomato meter with 80% on the audience st- score, which, again, that's pretty uh, That's pretty impressive. Uh, Jess, a nurse and mother recently separated from her husband, played by Skeet Ulrich, moves her daughter Tyler and young son Owen back into their family farmhouse. Shortly after settling in, Owen's dog escapes into the woods and returns days later, blood-soaked and rabid. When the dog attacks and bites them, the resulting infection grows more shocking as Owen's behavior becomes frightening and deadly. As he spirals deeper into the depths of the illness, Jess discovers a disturbing cure, which makes her question how far she's willing to go to keep her child alive. Oh, dun, dun, dun. And it's wow. weird because like the image they have of the kid looking all weird, he kind of looks like a, you know, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Wednesday, but he, he looks like the bad the baddie in Wednesday. Oh. He looks really, except less CGI. Oh, there you go. But I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, Vicky's not going to see that one. No, not at all. Um, one other one that I keep seeing ads for, but it's obviously not looking too good. I'll just kind of give a quick mention. It's called Fear. That one's only getting 14% and 34% audience score. 
And nope. then this is one of those movies, and I, I don't think you were here, Bija, when I told Joe this. There are horror movies that have very interesting premises, and I want to know what they're about, but I don't actually want to watch them. Nope. And I actually recently went and read the entire movie synopsis, like from start to finish, of um, uh, Midsommar, the one with Florence Pugh, and she's got oh. like the like the flower crown and stuff. And it was very interesting, and I'm glad I read it. I will never watch the movie, but I, this is one of those movies that I kind of want to do the same thing to. It is called Knock at the Cabin, not to be confused with... Oh, I with, saw the commercial with for this. Mm-hmm. It's it, uh, Shyamalan. Yes, this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie, and no, it is not. I had to double check. This is not like a sequel to The Cabin in the Woods. So, oh. So, no, not, not a sequel. So Knock on the Cabin in the Woods? Knock at the nope. Cabin. <laughs> got it. Yeah, this has got uh, Drax. Dave, yeah, Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, Rupert Grint, a couple big name people. Oh, or people that Ron? you Ron? Yeah, Ron's oh, in there. There's a few a few uh, actors in there. You're like, I don't know if I, rec- I recognize them, but from what, yeah, they're, they're the up-and-comers. But I saw the trailer to this. I was very intrigued. But again, I'm like, I don't want this. is scary. But it says, while vacationing at a remote cabin, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand the family make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. With limited access to the outside world, a family must decide what they believe before all is lost. And from the trailer I saw, so I'm not spoiling it. This is from the trailer. Like the family, I think it's a two dads and the little girl. It's like, okay, one of you has to... Sacri- be sacrificed basically oh, of yeah. the three of you so the 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 parent and then the kid otherwise all of humanity is going to die all yeah that's humanity. interesting you know whether or not uh, the Bautista character is actually insane or if in fact he's like a scientist that says no this is what we got to do for mm-hmm. some reason uh, I'm like oh, somebody okay when this come out please watch it and let me know how bad it is how scary it is because I was able to watch signs but even then that gave me <laughs> gave me a few nightmares yeah for a she ain't gonna days. watch it I, I, this is an interesting premise, and there's gonna be, you know, you know, what a twist <laughs> at the end. She now might go- not watch it, but she'll read it. Now I'm gonna go to the movies just so I can tell Vicky about them. That's the only reason I'm going now. I like it. I mean, I don't hate that idea. How much you gonna pay? I'll do it if you pay me. I'll give you some of my lunch. That's right, fair. Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.